Welcome everyone to our One Gospel podcast. My name is Evans, founder and president of One Gospel Ministries. Um, we are gathered here with um, Pastor Rodney Wilkinson from Gospel Fellowship and Pastor Ronnie Perry from New Song Church. Welcome, fellas. How y'all doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are awesome. you, man? Doing, doing good. Great. Doing good. Um, it is a pleasure to have you guys um, on this podcast. I want to say thank you guys for taking your time out um, to do this. Uh, but today um, we're going to be talking about urban discipleship. What does it look like? And especially in the African American church, um, a question uh, in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, um, twenty-eight verse nineteen through twenty says, "Go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age." Um, this mission. Um, and purpose of the church this is pretty much the mission and purpose of the church uh, we understand that we are to equip and grow disciples who um, in turn go out to equip and disciple others unfortunately many churches today have neglected this mandate um, Ernst uh, Grant on his website he I'm gonna quote this he said um, urban discipleship is a messy and time-consuming business it requires consistency, intentionality, and patience. Seeing young men and women come to Christ while growing in His grace, however, it is one of the most rewarding and fulfilling tasks that we've been given uh, given to. So, with that being said, what is discipleship, and what are some aspects of discipleship, or um, what does discipleship look like in the ur urban context? Yeah, so for me, it's um, it is messy. Uh, discipleship is um, multiplying disciplined learners, um, disciplined followers of, of Jesus Christ, and um, yeah, this is there. There are formal processes to this. There are informal processes to it, um, and I I like to think of it as cultivating. And when you look at a field, there's stuff that you have to uproot their stuff that you have to plant you have to get messy usually it's a community project um, and you have to be in it for the long haul and so for me discipleship is where from a church perspective you're going to get the most out of your investment a lot of times we feel like if we put on an event or if we have this this function or we if if we have something to have a lot of people attending it that it's going to help the church in some way, but the truth of the matter is Jesus was absolutely right in that text that it is our job to make disciples of every nation and to do it well. So, you know, Pastor Ronnie. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I agree a lot with what Pastor Rodney just said. So, it is like cultivating a field. And one thing about a field is you don't have to do anything for weeds to grow, they'll mm. grow if you just be, don't do anything. Yeah. But the work comes if you want to see fruit because you got to dig you got to water but the main thing about discipleship is you could be the most skilled farmer mm. but if you don't have the right conditions in terms of nature nothing won't grow and so we want to try to obey and create circumstances and context of people to uh, grow but only God can truly yeah. provide the conditions in the heart starting with the soil mm. to really um, allow fruit to bear in the lives of the people. So I like how Dehati Lewis, a pastor in Atlanta, defines discipleship. It's yes. just, um, it's our capacity to transmit 
and embody the life of Jesus Christ into the life of his followers. And yeah, some of that is something we can organize, like a curriculum and a process, but some of it is just seeing seeing uh, people seeing you do life and dealing with relationships, and it gets messy, it gets hurt. Uh, the people who um, I have seen the most fruit in relationship, I have hurt the most, and they have mm-hmm. hurt me the most, yeah. but I've also seen the most reward. So. Mm-hmm. Most of the, the guys I disciple most intimately have went through long seasons of hating me. And I've been through long seasons of being hurt by them, but that is where we see the beauty. So I'll leave it there for now. Awesome, man. Um, uh, Pastor Rodney, what does discipleship look like at your church at Gospel Fellowship? Yeah, and so, um, man, I think that's a that's a great framework to look at it. There's, there's formal processes and informal. Formally, um, I don't want to... I don't want us to sidestep the fact that Sunday morning um, is still, to some degrees, discipleship. Um, I think it's first tier, um, but it still is a form of discipleship because the proclamation of God's powerful word, hopefully, is being transmitted on Sunday. (laughs) Hopefully, um, the content is gospel-rich, and so it is possible for people to be changed and impacted from a Sunday morning service. Uh, for us, right after that, we want to get people in our first tier or second tier of discipleship, which is our life groups. Uh, and in our life groups, we uh, we gather together, eat together, pray together, read scripture together, confess sins together, do mission together. Um, our our life groups is that is that first tier. Um, and when we first started the church, that's what we had, and it was going well. Probably about a year into it, I looked and said, life groups aren't making disciples. Wow. <laughs> there's, there's, there's something else we have to do. Is going back to that field um, um, example, there's some other cultivation of this ground that needs to happen if we're going to see fruit. And um, at that point, we got uh, went up to Perimeter Church with Randy Pope and got exposed to what's called Life on Life Missional Discipleship. Um, and we started implementing that at our church and that are that is smaller groups of men and women separated uh, we just feel like men can be a lot more honest in a room of men than when women are present and vice versa and there's a high level of commitment and intentionality um, that is, is is said from the beginning and so people know that I'm walking with this person for a year or two years or three years um, with high level of intentionality uh, a lot of uh, study of God's word, um, a lot of digging into each other, whether that's just in marriage or life or what have you, or in your singleness or whatever that is. Um, and we have been seeing tremendous fruit come out of that. We're seeing a better disciple come out of that process. Um, and so we're growing those. And, 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 and as we talk about the urban context, some of that stuff has to be adjusted. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it is effective um, for the people that we're serving. Um, so it's not just plug and play uh, or use a box of discipleship and put it in your church and pray that it works. It, it, it has to be monitored and watched over. Um, but we're, we're seeing some good things happen out of that. So that is our, along with just stuff that, that elders are doing, our elders do an incredible job of just uh, caring for the flock. And so they're pulling in couples and, and jacking up individuals and, church discipline process which is all a part of formalized uh, discipleship and so along with those things and, and maybe a few others that escape me now are, 
or how we're addressing it at Gospel Fellowship. Oh, awesome, man. How about you, um, Pastor yeah. Ronnie? Yeah. I know you're playing a new yeah, church, but... Um, but <clears throat> yeah, my church hasn't started yet, but I did. I was part of a church plant in Durham, North Carolina, and the same principles have a high view of Sunday morning, you know, because that for most minorities, that's the front door. A lot mm-hmm. of uh, the majority stuff sees more like smaller in-home groups as the front door, but minorities, that's more intimidating, so they really come to the public service first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it's just connecting and hospitality. You can never understand that, and I think... It starts, um, I agree with everything Pastor Rodney said, it was just basic social skills. One thing we had to go through our launch team was it's just basic social skills. Mm-hmm. Like, people need to know you care about them. So don't do evangelism like a used car salesman where you remember this evangelistic outline wow. and you just, like a robot, and if they don't follow cue, you just leave. No. You know, ask them, how can you pray for them? You know, build relationship first and, and then in that context, share the gospel. But yes, um, everything Pastor Rodney said, I agree. And just having larger groups um, don't just mean there's discipleship. So one thing we will do is do smaller gender-specific groups because not only do I need to know the biblical understanding of marriage, I need to know practically how to love, I, how to love my wife and I need to be practically held accountable. Are you loving your wife today? Yeah. You may grasp this great theological concept and not be loving your wife. So. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, um, when we're looking at um, discipleship within the urban context is how, how do you think churches are um, engaging in that, especially um, I want to say in the black African American churches or or Haitian churches because I know mm-hmm. you guys have Haitian people in your congregation, sure. a mixed congregation mm-hmm. but um, how do you think um, churches are engaging in in, in, um, in discipleship because I know uh, discipleship looks from the sub- sub- suburban context mm-hmm. it, it's different from the urban mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. per se yeah. you know in the urban context I could bring you know so and so to the church and you know they're going to provide them you know here's the steps and someone mm-hmm. to follow mm-hmm. but in the urban context it's like uh, yeah it's a totally different yeah. uh, breed yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's a good question. And I think sometimes, is, you know, there's some things that are similar, some things are different. So I think in the, if you're in a, a, a mainstream church, you have to be mindful of that cultural differences. And if you're in a church with many cultures like us, we have to try to mesh. And a lot of it's teaching first, even on culture. Mm-hmm. But I think in, in an urban context, you got to really be willing to walk with people in their lives and in the messiness. In the urban context, we tend to be more out front with our messiness not that we're more messy but we'll kind of we, we we're not as concerned about presenting ourselves as clean mm-hmm. whereas in the suburban context it's more hidden but mm-hmm. but I mean I think it's not being afraid to engage in relationships um, even dysfunctional relationships being mature enough to see sin in a person but yet love them and I think the main thing in the challenges in a lot of uh, ethnic churches whether as African-American uh, Jamaican, Haitian is sometimes we're so taught on we're so set on getting people to follow the Christian rules that we don't give them Jesus. So we tell them to stop having sex or to stop drinking, and we haven't introduced them to the person of Jesus first. Mm-hmm. And without Jesus, how do I think they're gonna stop having sex or stop drinking? And I'm speaking in relationship to the unbeliever right now, obviously. But um, and I think so. I think from that, it's just being mindful of their culture. And invite and taking the initiative to be consistently present and inviting people. Um, a lot of times, suburban churches are 
or, or, or majority evangelical white churches that try to do urban ministry, they do events and they it's like buy see you again next month. Mm. But what would it be like to be consistent coming to the people to invite them into your life and into yours? So I think in the urban context, as I'm trying to frame my thought, you not only got to invite them into your church or your program, you got to invite them into your life. Mm-hmm. And when you invite them into your life, that's when they open up because you want to know them on a life to life basis and not just on a, a, a service to consumer basis or, or program to consumer basis. So mm. that's key. That's awesome. I think um, Doug, um, Doug Logan on his, in his book, um, On the Block, mm-hmm. uh, read that book, awesome book. Um, he talked about where he went to Camden's, and, you know, most dangerous city in New Jersey, um, in America, um, and um, stated that, you know, he had to do like a barbecue in and to get yeah. people, you know, come in, there's, you know, again, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's what, what you said is like, mm-hmm. in the suburban context, it's like more throwing an event for one yeah. day, hi, bye, see you next mm-hmm. month. But within the, within the urban context, we, we're in it for the grind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a messy, uh, uh, it's a messy process. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you got to get into these people's lives. And I feel like a lot of um, churches have avoided that, um, Per se, they're they're avoiding like I don't want to dig in too yeah. deep, and so they step back and they give half, you know, half discipleship per, yeah. per se. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'm I'm just thinking about that, and that's a really good question. One of the things that were unique when we started Gospel Fellowship is, and my my upbringing is everything discipleship happens at the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really easy for you to meet people that were one way in the building, the church building, completely different thing, a different way at home. And so what we did is, is, is even the concept of life groups, I don't think is something that populates uh, many of the churches that we're talking about um, right now. Um, and so I think that transition from moving to you're going to come to a midweek service, you're going to hear a preacher preach, you're going to take notes. Um, there's no kind of interaction between you and other people's. There's no confession of sin or anything like that. Um, you're just going to get your good word and you're going to go home. Um, I don't want to say that that was not helpful. That is the generation that our forefathers have come over on and have and have done well on. I think it's our job to carry it um, a little bit further, if you will. Um, in neighborhoods all over the world it is not like people aren't getting together it's not like on the fourth of july nobody's throwing barbecues like this is this is happening organic everywhere i think for for urban discipleship what is important is the intentionality in which we are infusing christ into these events because here's the other thing that I don't want people to go off on is, well, all we got to do is throw a barbecue. Yeah. Well, well, if that's the case, then your barbecue is no different than the barbecue with the next person down the road. Mm. How are you? How is their intentionality of you infusing Christ? How are you going to look distinctively different in, mm. in how you love one another, how you care for one another, how you serve one another, not based on, you know, outer um things to say that you're different like the clothing you wear you got your jesus t-shirt on anything like that but 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 kind of at the heart of the matter how are you serving one another how are you challenging one another um so i think all those things are already naturally happening i think in the urban context the challenge is fun usually happens outside of the church but if we are able to infuse natural rhythms of people's lives with the gospel i think you see transformation happen on real levels 
um, and not just Sunday morning stuff. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, oh, it has man. to be organic life, I think, not programmatic or building center, mm-hmm. you know, and so that, like Pastor Rodney said, that's big. And I think the other thing is you do have to equip your people of a concept of work and faith, that mm-hmm. their vocation, their job is a ministry calling yeah. as much as being a pastor or elder or yeah. deacon. Yeah. And and to see that in that there's there's even a way for them to 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 be a vessel of 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 of, of an asset to the community whether they're a banker whether if they know how to cut hair, you know, for the kids who can't afford it, you know, they get a uh, haircut. So think empowering them with that too. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, Okay, add on to that. That's real good. Just meeting people where they are, like in, in, in the racial tension that we exist in in this country, uh, discipleship addresses that and help people develop a framework in how to process some of the natural feelings that people are feeling. So I think if we just look at discipleship, okay, let's let's open up the text, let's dissect the text, let's let's get the proper meaning of this to the original audience. You miss opportunities to really engage people where they are. And so just trying to draw a picture of all of life as means in which we can disciple people. Wow. Yeah. Amen. Now uh Chris Brooks, um his book um Urban Apologetics, yeah. another great book to read. Yeah. Um this is what he said and and I want you guys to have a few you know, feedback on this one is like, he said, it's nearly impossible to develop strong, healthy, and vibrant ministries in the inner city on the backs of dysfunctional families. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think that's key. You know, one of my, uh, I had the opportunity to serve at a church called New City Fellowship in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And one of my mentors was Dr. Carl Ellis. Uh, he wrote a book called Free at Last that is well known, saving our sons and others. But he talked about how the process of discipleship can even begin uh, before conversion. Remember, the Great Commission says, part of it says teaching them to obey all that Jesus commands. Mm-hmm. You can begin to teach them that even before they publicly profess faith. And I think one way in what we have to have also is a theology of place is modeling. Uh, let the kids, let the single parents come into your house and see you interact with your wife and children or husband and children at the dinner table i let them see uh black marriages that's key yeah. and written yeah. not on not on tv like normal <laughs> healthy black marriages like the huxtables were not just mm. an illusion in yeah. fact you, they're more huxtables than they are loving hip-hops yeah. um and and, and see good. you engaging your kids at the park engaging them about the school you know i grew up in a christian family and unfortunately i can't remember too many times we did Bible study or pray together as a family outside of saying grace. Mm, wow. So 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 model that so that they can have a picture even if their family is broken. I think that's one key. I mean, if our kids don't see families, that they're not going to model it. And I remember in, in every place I've served, I get I had interacted with inner city kids, and they felt marriage wasn't for black people. Yeah. Like it's for white people or for interracially people. So if you're a black man or woman, a lot of time they saw a ring, they assume you're married to a white person. I don't have anything against mm-hmm. interracial marriages. My brother's interracially married. I got three interracial nephews that I love, but they have to see modeled out black family life. And mm-hmm. we have to go into their turf and go in front of their, the TVs of their natural eyes yeah. and display that. Yeah. Uh, completely agree with that. I think. Um, one of the things I've had the privilege to do is serve on a college campus for, man, 12 years. Um, 
and had a chance to just walk people through um, dating. Dating issues was the number one hot button topic <laughs> on the college campus and just helping them see that through the lens of scripture and how they should pursue marriage. It's been a great joy, man. I think one of the things I often say, uh, even sometimes in the middle of the sermon is here at Gossip Fellowship, we are redefining what it means to be a father and a husband. Mm-hmm. And, and and if you're a woman, you could feel like, man, Pastor Rod, I was talking about husbands and fathers, husbands and fathers. But I mean, I want to draw attention to that because I feel um, the onus in many, in, in many aspects stands on the man um, to lead the way in, in showing what transformation looks like um, and being faithful and being consistent. So by God's grace, um, we're seeing that. And we're trying to get that that model out as much as possible. But you're absolutely right, man. Like, um, it has to start yeah. at home. Yeah. Um, Ernst Grant said, he said, um, he said, we can't simply drop off care package theology mm. and think it's the antidote for societal um, ills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. crazy. You know, and when we look at um, discipleship, um, you know, unfortunately, from our experience or, you know, growing up in church and so on like that, um, for me, I can say there has been a lack of discipleship Mm -hmm. growing up. But as you get older and you dig into deeper into God's word and understanding what discipleship is all about, it's like, man, we got work to do yeah (laughs) you know got a lot of work to do and i feel like you know um we can't be afraid of the word discipleship Mm -hmm. Uh, unfortunately there are a lot of pastors that are planting churches Mm -hmm. great but their churches lack discipleship Mm -hmm. especially they're planting churches in the inner city but they're having no impact whatsoever within their four walls or even outside the four walls yeah it's crazy it's crazy yeah, I think I think it's it's incumbent upon the people that listen to this podcast um, that you seek out environments that are rich in discipleship or have a legacy of discipleship, um, and and some onus falls on the believer um, to to be able to discern: Am I getting what I need? to be who God's called me to be. And far too many times in the urban context, because of this, the popularity of a pastor or because of the family relationship to the people in the church or because of, man, this choir is just off the chain, so I got to go there on Sunday. You end up spending years settling for less when you know you're not growing spiritually. Yeah. And, and so I believe it's it's... And, and this is this is not trying to pull somebody out of 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 a church model. But what this is saying is, you know, the believer has to look at his or her life and say, am I getting what I need to grow? And you should get to a place where you can find yourself growing as a believer And any good pastor wants to see their people grow, whether that's happening at their church or if that needs to happen at another church. At the end of your at the end of the day, you should want to see people grow in their faith and grow in their and grow as disciples and so I think that's, that's important it's yeah and I think yeah and the people you think of the women who press through the crowd to touch Jesus mm-hmm. so some of it's on them and then some on the leadership mm-hmm. you know I think of Jesus like Jesus had crowds of a thousands follow him he was doing miracles and healings and like that wasn't success for him you know, like in Matthew what 8 and 9 and there's 10 miracles there 
the crowds there, but he's not excited. You know, most of us, I got a thousand. I made it as a mm -hmm. church planner. But he said with thousands there, with all those miracles that just happened, he looked and he had compassion on the people because he saw them as helpless as sheep yeah. without a shepherd. And that's when he goes, transition to the famous line, yeah. pray that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send laborers. And that's when the disciples, the 12, transition from being watchers to being sent in ministry. Yeah. And I think yeah. that has to be our heart. Sometimes we have the, both as leaders and as, uh, you know, parishioners, we have the wrong, we have low expectations mm. of, of, of what the Christian faith is. And we don't want to lay holes of the, all God has for us spiritually. Yeah. We want it in material blessings. We want it in circumstances, but we don't want it in spirituality. And, and Paul could say in Ephesians, he blessed us with every spiritual blessing yeah. in the heavenly. So I think the lay hold of it. And, you know, that's the key of discipleship. I mean, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Yeah. It's yeah. something that if you follow me, there's going to be something so appealing about you that men are going to follow you, that people are going to follow you. And every pastor, I think, got to have a squad of like, you know, Jedi Padawans ready to, <laughs> to go out and, and, and glorify Christ. So, you know, but, but not in that armor bearer sense. And I'm not trying to down the tradition, <laughs> but in a sense of these guys who want to, glorify God through their lives. Wow, so. awesome. And um, just to let you guys have the last word here is, um, um, last question is, um, what would you say to someone that may be listening to this podcast, maybe a pastor, maybe a leader, um, or an elder that's maybe struggling, you know, with, you know, discipleship, what would you, you know, type of, what word of encouragement would you give them in, um, what advice would you give them or resources? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the things we see Paul doing in the New Testament really well is giving away ministry. And I think as an elder, as a pastor, as a leader, you should be constantly trying to work yourself out of a job. Mm -hmm. um, if it's particularly if you are discipling men, if men cannot see a path to do your job there's something wrong with your discipleship model. Wow. And so this is why multiplication in the mind of the leader has to extend beyond your congregation. That's why church planning should be in the DNA of, of your people. I mean, there are guys at our church who, if I could, if I can convince them to plan a church, <laughs> I mean, I would. I mean, because that, that, that has to be a part of um, what the next step is. And I think as a leader, you're constantly looking for who is the next person that I need to raise up? Um, how am I going to get this person to the next step? Because when men don't see next steps to take, they stop taking steps. Wow. Wow. And and this is where you see the mass exodus of men leaving church. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to see with, with faithfulness and God's calling and the Spirit's confirmation and the confirmation of the community, they should see steps to to do great things for God, whatever that looks like with their gifting and their context. And so I would just advise um, as, as a resource, I just love what Dr. Eric Mason is doing in the Thriving Network. Oh, yeah. I mean, how he's raising up sons and sending out church planters. I would I would just look to that model, man, um, of, of discipleship that extends beyond you being a member of my church, that yeah. the hope is mm -hmm. you're out making disciples somewhere else in, in the area. Mm -hmm. Pastor Rodney. Yeah, and I mean, just amen to what everything Pastor Rodney said. And I would just say that if you're a pastor, one, hey, we're not perfect. We're not saying sure. we're arrived. Mm -hmm. And we have to repent. Like, I'm still not where I need to be. 
And it's hard because God calls us to do and embody something model, something we never saw have for us. But um, I would say just keep a heart of repentance, but also be bold and, and be willing to take risks and obedience and, and everything else. Just to amen with Pastor Rodney said, Pastor Eric Mason and the Thriving Network uh, is a great model. So yeah. amen to what he said. Awesome. Awesome. And one of the biggest. Now I'm saying, oh, well, one yeah. thing I will say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Also, and this is one, a good thing that comes from ethnic churches typically, uh, children need to own children and youth need to own the mission and vision of the church too yeah, they definitely. need to be at our outreaches they need to we, don't forget the children mm. you know you it, how can the new covenant be a better covenant we don't include the children so yeah, make them you know they need to own the mission and vision of the church too wow. so and awesome. not just be someone we entertain while their parents mm -hmm. function in church functions <laughs> wow awesome now one of the biggest hindrances hindrances from people making disciples is insecurity mm -hmm. uh, insecurity is the general unease of feeling inferior to others in some way we don't share the gospel let alone invite them into a discipleship relationship because we don't feel equipped to do so mm -hmm. and you know unfortunately there are a lot of leaders or pastors out there they don't it's a lack of insecurity they may not have been um you know discipled themselves per mm -hmm. se in the right way um or this they're in a inner city uh, environment and they don't know what to do. Yeah. And um, and I believe this podcast hopefully you know it help um, some people to open up their eyes to see. Hey man, I need to dig deeper mm -hmm. into um, in discipleship, yeah. especially within the urban context. Um, I truly appreciate you guys for taking the time out, and um, thank you guys. And um, again, we have Pastor Rodney uh, Wilkinson from Gospel Fellowship. He's located in Boynton Beach um, High School. And we got Pastor Ronnie at New Song Church, New Church Plant. Uh, you can follow these guys on Facebook, Instagram. I don't know if you guys got Snapchat or I don't do Snapchat. <laughs> but um, but uh, follow up with these guys. They're good friends of mine. And um, thank you guys for listening. God bless.